Hi everyone, welcome back to Understand the Bible, where we're continuing to uh, look at the book of Judges. And we're working our way, we've got today, to, uh, to Samson's marriage in Judges chapter 14. I'd just like to point out, by the way, um, thank you for, for those who are coming back, um, whether you're watching this on the video or on uh, listening on the podcast. Um, I just wanted to say that I have renamed this channel, this podcast, to Understand the Bible. So the video and the podcast is all called Understand the Bible. So um, that's what, um, if, you're, if you found this, you don't really need to know. But if you want to share it with someone else, uh, that's what I called it now. Um, not that you really notice the difference, but there we go. We're thinking about Judges chapter 14 and, um, you know, I, there's been a huge amount of talk lately about um, a phenomenon called toxic masculinity. I don't know if you've come across this at all, toxic masculinity, and it's something which you read about in the papers from time to time saying basically men are the problem and toxic masculinity especially is the problem. Men are causing all of these uh, sort of issues and they're treating women in the wrong way and the problem is is toxic masculinity. And you think, what would people who write about toxic masculinity have to say about Samson? You know, because Samson is like the, the embodiment, I think, of toxic masculinity, in a sense. And yet, he was the one who, who God sent to save. It's pretty striking, I think, as you, you read through this. And we'll, we'll think about this over the next few weeks as we're thinking about Samson. Now, occasionally, you know in life, sometimes you get you get round to thinking, God, what are you doing with me? God, what are you doing with my life? What, what are you doing with the world? What on earth is going on in this situation? And that is the case, I think, with Samson as we look at this passage. If you think about it from the perspective of his parents, certainly they were thinking, what on earth is going on? And yet, as we will see, God certainly had a plan. So let's let's dive into the passage. And as per usual, I'm not going to read out the whole of Judges chapter 14. If you'd like to read the passage in advance, then I'll put the link down below in the description. You can expand that, look at it on Bible Gateway or, or just read it or whatever. I will uh, read out the sort of the bits that I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, but it, it, I think it would be helpful to, to read or to listen to the passage before just to have that in your mind. So um, Samson, he goes down to a place called Timnar and he sees a young Philistine woman. I think Timnar was one of the Philistine cities that they that they had, where they, where they lived. And he says to his mum and dad, look, I've seen a Philistine woman in Timnar. Now get her for me as my wife. This is how uh, things work. The, the parents sort of arrange things. And his mum and dad, they say, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among our own people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? You know, so at this point in, in Israel's history, the difference between the, the Israelites and the non-Israelites was the circumcision. I won't go into all of the details about that, um, but that was the thing that marked out God's people as being God's people. And, and that's often the way that they refer to the different circumcised or, or uncircumcised. The Gentiles, the non-Jews were the uncircumcised people. And, uh, and you can almost hear Samson's parents saying, do you, do you really have to do this? Do you have to? Do, of, all, of all our own relatives, our own family, our own 
people do you have to go to these Gentiles in order to find the wife? They didn't understand what was going on. They didn't know what was happening. There's a, a note there from the, um, from the narrator. You see, Samson replies, oh, she's the right one for me, get her for me. Now, Samson was just focused on what he wanted. He wasn't really thinking about what God wanted. But there's a note, it says, his parents did not know that this was from the Lord who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines. For at that time they were ruling over Israel. So this was from God. It may have appeared to be a kind of random event. It may have appeared that Samson was doing the wrong thing and he was just headstrong and um, unwilling to listen and any of these things. Something that I think many parents um, feel, you know, that um, my children, they're both probably a little bit young really to, to get this fully, but I know that from what other people have told me, this is quite a common experience, you know, having children running off and doing their own thing and not going in the way that, that you want them to go. But they didn't realise that it was from the Lord. And this is so often the case, you know, that when things happen and we don't understand why they're happening, we don't know why things have happened in a certain way, we think that everything's going wrong, that actually it is from the Lord and that God has a wonderful plan, even if we can't see it at that particular moment. And, and we'll see that as we uh, go through the book of Judges. So Samson, he, um, he goes down to Timnah with his mum and dad, and they come towards the vineyards of Timnah. And a young lion comes towards him. I was a bit confused as I was reading this, because at one point, then it seems like he's with his mum and dad, and then it seems like he's not with his mum and dad, he's on his own. So I presume that they must have gone up together, and at some point he went off on his own. I don't know. But a lion comes up uh, towards him, and he, he fears for his life. But the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands, as he might have torn a young goat, but he didn't tell his father and mother what he did. So the Holy Spirit came upon him and, and gives him this kind of power and strength to, to do what, to sort of defend himself against the lion. And it's a little bit like a, a precursor of what happens a bit later on. And you know, God kind of prepares Samson for what is going to happen a bit later on. And that is often the case with the way that God does things. Now, he prepares us for what is going to happen a bit later on. He knows what's going to happen, and so he knows what he needs to do in order to make us ready. And perhaps you've experienced that in your own life, when perhaps you look back over what happened perhaps even years ago, and you think, oh yes, I can understand why that happened then, because that was preparing me for what happened a bit later on. And this is how God works. It, very often how God works, you know, things happen and as they happen, God is preparing us for, for the things which are going to, um, to come in the future. Because God knows all of, the, all of the past, all of the future and works to prepare us for everything. It's a lovely line in the hymn, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, which I, I really like, one of my favourite hymns, that one. And it has, um, there's the line is, fitting thee well for the tasks that are ever before thee. You know, God is always preparing us for the tasks that lie ahead of us, as he was with Samson here. 
And so um, Samson kills the lion. And uh, he talked with a woman he likes her. And so he goes back a bit later to marry her. And he goes aside to look at the lion's carcass and he finds a swarm of bees and some honey. So he scoops out the honey and he gives some to his mum and dad. But again, he doesn't tell them where he uh, where he got it. Now, the Nazarite vow, do you remember we talked about that in the, the previous episode? The Nazarite vow stipulated that you shouldn't touch a dead body. You shouldn't touch a carcass. Otherwise, that would make you unclean. So that was one of the things that you mustn't do as a, as a Nazarite. And, and Samson did that. The other thing that you shouldn't do is drink wine, drink sort of the, the, the grape, grape uh, fruit of the vine, as it were. And Samson does, well, it doesn't say specifically, but he does, um, he does hold a feast. And we presume that there must have been wine, there must have been drinking, and presumably he drank as well. I don't think that's a completely unreasonable assumption, uh, given the rest of his his character. So it's interesting that that Samson, he he just he just does what he wants. You know, he doesn't really think too much about the vow to the Lord or what God wants. He just kind of does what he wants. And you know, we see this all the way through as we've been going through Judges. They're kind of these anti-heroes, if you like. You know, God uses them, but they're almost in spite of themselves. And I think Samson is the the chief example of that in the book of Judges, someone who who seems to be more concerned about his own desires, about his own wants and needs than he is about God. Um, and so then at the wedding, Samson has this idea. I don't know, don't know how, where it comes from, but well, it comes from the Lord, as we know at the end. But Samson gives them a riddle and he says, if you give me the answer, I'll give you 30 sets of clothes. If you can't find the answer, then you'll have to give me 30 sets of clothes. And um, they, they hear the riddle, but they can't, they just can't make head nor tail of it. And to be honest, it's, um, they've got no chance really, have they? I mean, how could they possibly know? It's a very unfair um, thing that Samson, uh, Samson did. Interesting though, the rid- riddle, out of the eater, something to eat, out of the strong, something sweet. And um, if you look at Tate and Lyle, um, golden syrup, for example, or other Tate and Lyle products, they've got this, out of the strong came forth sweetness. I believe that's what it says. And I'll try and find a picture to put up on the screen. If you're listening to the podcast, I'm sorry, you'll just have to go and find Tate and Lyle somewhere and look at it yourself. Next time you see one in the supermarket, for example, have a look. This, that's where it comes from. Out of the strong came forth sweetness. And so what happens is they can't, they can't find the answer to the riddle. So they say to Samson's wife, oh, please, you know, badger Samson for us so that, you know, you can find the answer so that we can give it, so we don't have to give the clothes to Samson. And so that's what she does. She badgers him. She, she kind of drapes herself against him. She cries. She wails. She says, you don't love me. And all of that sort of thing. And eventually Samson gives in and, and tells her the answer to the riddle. And they, uh, he, uh, they tell him the answer and um, Samson realises. Uh, it's a bit like what happens actually with Samson and Delilah, isn't it? You know, we, if you, you read ahead a bit to, to chapter 16 in Judges, it's a bit like what happens there, this weakness that Samson had for, um, for, for women, in a sense. And it's like a little warning sign. You know, we talked about preparation. There should have been preparation for Samson. This should have been, you know, a little warning sign to him saying, look, you know what happened here? Well, think what's going to happen 
in a, a little while's time. And again, that's often how God does things. You know, are we in our lives willing to listen to warning signs? Do we know when something happens? You know, is it a message from God to say, look, I, I want you to be careful here. And Samson, I think, tried to depend too much on his own strength and on, you know, not, not enough on God. And certainly it did not lead to the, the right effects. You know, it actually led him into, into danger and into trouble. And if we don't listen to the warning signs when it comes to sin, that is what will happen. You know, we'll run into danger. We need to listen to warning signs. We can't depend on our own strength. Jesus said in, in John chapter 15, verses 5 and 6, he says, you know, Abide in me. If you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I've often reflected on those words when it, uh, over the last sort of few, few months. I've been thinking a lot about abiding. Now, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. We're not supposed to, to do everything on our own strength. We are supposed to abide in Christ, to depend on him. And so at the end of the, this, uh, this passage then in Judges 14, Samson, he strikes down 30 men and he gives their clothes to, to those who'd explained the riddle and he was burning with anger. And it says Samson's wife was given to one of his companions. Um, this is the beginnings of salvation. You know that it might not seem like much striking down 30 men, but this was the beginning of the way that God was was working. And you think it's given everything about Samson, giving everything, given everything about the way it happened. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? That God was still working even through these terrible circumstances. God was still in charge. God was still bringing about salvation through a deeply flawed person, or a deeply flawed man, and uh, for a people who didn't really want to be saved. You think about that, isn't that absolutely miraculous really so this passage is all about not knowing you, you as we go through as we went through you you notice that there were a lot of things in this passage which were about not knowing you know you think about uh, the um, Samson's parents who didn't know about the lion they didn't know where the honey came from his wife and the Philistines didn't know the answer to the riddle and the most important one of all, that Samson's parents didn't know why he wanted a Philistine wife. And yet in all of these things, although they didn't know, God still had a plan and a purpose. Even though Samson was very far from being a, a sort of godly and wise man, I think you could say he was a pretty immature individual, really. He was... It's funny, I, I just go back to what it said, you know, what I said about toxic masculinity. I think, you know, Samson certainly, he was headstrong, he wanted what he wanted, he was, um, he was violent and, and so on. And, and he didn't depend on God. And yet God still used him. And that's an amazing thing. It made me think of a quote by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, who said, you will certainly carry out God's purpose, however you act. But it makes a difference to you whether you serve like Judas or like John. So whatever we do, we'll carry out God's purposes. You know that the people who killed Jesus carried out God's purpose. It wasn't a good thing 
in a sense that they it wasn't good for them they were disobeying God and yet they still carried out God's purpose in a, in a funny kind of way and it's the same with us you know that even the people who who disobey God are still in a sense carrying out God's purpose and we'll see this come over more strongly again next week as we think more about uh, Judges chapter 15. So Samson he was a a representative of an idolatrous people. Samson was, it's said sometimes that people get the leaders they deserve. Samson was not a good leader, not a good judge. He didn't obey God, he didn't really, um, it's it's kind of a funny mix isn't it? But Samson was at the very best, he was a deeply flawed kind of a person and yet um, God used him. You know, if that's the case, think about how much greater Jesus is than Samson. How much greater Jesus is than Samson. I'm going to finish by reading a little bit from uh, John's Gospel, a bit further on actually in, in John chapter 15. John chapter 15 verses uh, 9 to 17. This is what Jesus said. And think about the contrast with, with Samson. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Thinking about just those few verses from Jesus, that he was the one who perfectly obeyed his father. Unlike Samson, who disobeyed and who went off and just wanted what he wanted. Jesus wanted to do the father's will. And he wanted to to show us and bring us to God, to show us and bring us to the father. He wanted to, to make us his friends. He wanted to love others. He didn't seek his own will, but sought to, to, talk, to teach us what God's will was and to, and to do God's will himself. You know, I think the contrast with Samson is huge there. And I just wanted to finish by thinking, you know, what a wonderful saviour that we have. You know, unlike Samson, he was the perfect, uh, perfectly obedient to his father. He was the one who makes us his friends, who loves others, who heals sin and who who can forgive us and who can who can bring us to God perfectly and what a wonderful saviour is Jesus and I just wanted to finish on that wonderful note so thank you very much for for watching and for listening wherever you've been watching please do tell your friends please do like um, the video if you're on YouTube or on Facebook or if you're um if you're listening through uh, iTunes then please do leave a, a rating and a review if you can And I hope to see you again for another one of these uh, videos or podcasts uh, very soon. Thanks very much, everyone, and God bless.